and like going back to 21st rounder, like I'm playing with house money. Every, everything yeah. from here is, I mean, I got my cake and now the icing is just getting added on. So it's like, yeah. I'm just playing with house money. Welcome back to another episode of Champion School. Champion School, we're sitting down with the brightest minds of the game, chatting a little life, chatting a little sports. I'm Ray McIntyre. That is Austin Byler, BZB. How are you, man? Hey, we're doing good, baby. We got this special shirt. Shout out the Weeblers, Brian, Brady, uh, Co- uh, Mr. Jones out there, 1-6 Performance in Colorado. If you know, you know. I'm fired up, Ray. This is awesome. And this is my favorite hat, by the way. We're getting some good love on it on Twitter, so it's been cool to watch that, too. Yeah, man, those, the hats have been kind of going off the shelves a little bit. Every every place we've been, we've only been to like three or four so far this year, like in terms of getting out to camps, but everywhere it's like, hey, where do we get the hats? Where do we? And, you know, we're just going to have to get somebody to straight up put out a, a block of money for us to buy a bunch of hats to take these on the road. But, oh. hey, we're just pointing to the website, Major League University slash merchandise, if, uh, if you're wondering. But today, Matt Strom, left-handed pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Dude's a, a legend, Scott Crazy Flow. He's a dude that was not picked the highest, but found his way into the league and is exactly up our alley in terms of the type of guy that we want, not only representing us, but delivering information to our people which is huge so um can you run through what have we been up to on the major league university side like i said we've been traveling a little bit um and we've taken a little bit of time off it's been kind of a a weird schedule we're finally back into season three of this thing so break it down for the people what's been going on mlu wise yeah we've taken a little breather on the podcast here uh headed into season three we're going to split it up into different sections now and seasons throughout the year and just give ourselves a little time and space jared perkins has been doing a phenomenal job getting incredible guests on our show i mean it's one after another it seems like he just continues to one-up himself so it's been really cool to see that happening a lot of really good guests coming season three and then we just wrapped up two of our three kind of end of spring type camps um, i didn't even know how to label them if they're spring or summer but it's kind of like a pre-summer in spring uh type of camp here so we went to winners we went to the home of coach ray mac down there and uh, amazing camp such great kids we talked about it off air just how personable they they were and respectful they were they all looked you in the eye yes sir no sir it was incredible to see that in his town and his environment and then we just went to Mancus uh, Colorado kind of near Durango it was awesome I mean what a great place those kids are grinders great people shout out Anthony and Heather Mistass I hope I don't mess up your name there but um, you guys are awesome thanks for having us come out there and just a lot of really good things happening this weekend we'll be headed out to Casper Wyoming and then uh, we'll take another couple week breather. We'll have a couple speaking engagements coming up, uh, two with Push Performance hosting some mental game seminars. So if you are in Colorado, Denver area, or if you are in Phoenix, Arizona, anywhere in the surrounding towns, we will be having two of those events, May 23rd in Colorado, May 31st in Arizona, open to male and, and female athletes of all ages, all sports as well. And then getting ready for a summer, man, we've got a free camp in Omaha, which is really exciting. We're getting juiced up for that. And I was just thinking in my head, trying to write it down. We need to get hundreds of hats for that thing because that's yeah. going to be a great weekend a lot of fun and get to go see hopefully some uh, old teammates and coaches out there in the world series 
it's going to be interesting just watching that kind of thing whole just all unfold getting to the college world series is not the easiest thing to do um so any of the teams that get there are incredible and they're on a heater of a run you know but uh you know we have some teams we're gonna be pulling for hopefully we'll we'll see those folks out there and uh either way it's gonna be a great time um you know again shout out to coach moffitt uh for setting this up getting uh getting us a facility that we're gonna get into we have a, uh, an Airbnb already set up for us. I've been looking into flights, which is awesome. We're getting that set. Uh, I'm even looking at like a slightly longer extension for this thing. So uh, if we're talking about potentially pick up wiffle ball with some teams that are out there, I know there's, uh, what is that tournament you were, you're having me look at the slump buster, right? Out slump there buster, in Omaha. Yeah. And so there's a lot of teams that are going to be out there, youth teams for that. Uh, we're going to be reaching out to a lot of them, letting them know, Hey, we got a camp going and uh, MLU projects and that we're in the building. So uh, it's going to be really cool. Excited for that. Uh, also excited for, we already have up on the campsite. I just saw uh, New York, uh, Bu Buffalo, New York, Cleveland, I think is, is Cleveland up yet or not yet? Indianapolis. Cleveland is not up, but we will okay. have that. We've got Indy and Buffalo up there on the website and then Cleveland will be smack dab in the middle of those two. We're going to take a, a go from Indy to Cleveland, Cleveland to Buffalo, Buffalo, maybe back home, maybe little league world series. We'll see where we're at there in a second. Shout out stuff. if you hear us, Keith, hook us up down there in Philly, but uh, we'll see what, what happens with that. But yes, Cleveland will be up on the website here shortly, just finalizing those details. I looked at it just before you got on three hours from Buffalo to Williamsport. I think we have to. That's so it. What? It's three hours. And, and I asked, I asked stuff. So I sent him a message to him and said, Hey, how far are you from Williams, Williamsport? Can we just go Buffalo, maybe a swing to hit his hometown, do a nice camp at that time of the Little league world series finishes the Little League World Series. And that would, I mean, you, I think you have a couple more speaking events lined up. I don't think we have any more camps really set other than that December camp late, right? Um, in Arizona, I think is where we're the yearly one, but uh, it's going to be a really, really cool time. I think that's going to be a good window for us to kind of like, okay, this is, let's shut it down for a little bit, right? Uh, yeah. And then your wedding after that. So that'll be cool. So uh, if you're, if you're still engaged, at least at that point. <laughs> <laughs> we will be. Um Okay, diving into, let's go good news of the week. We got some good ones for you. All right, good news of the week. I have two stories kind of along the same lines and, and uh, just interesting. I don't know if they're both good news. It's just kind of strange stories here. But number one, uh, a widow finds late husband's wedding ring under an apple tree 35 years after he lost it. So this, this wow. woman, her husband died 22 years ago. Uh, he lost his wedding ring 35 years prior, uh, was working in the garden one day. He's, she's out there just kind of working on her own and comes across like a bent piece of metal in the, gar in the garden on the ground, pulls it up, happens to be the ring that he lost way, way back then. And <laughs> just how wild is that, right? Like, so cool you know, see something turn around. So that was, the, that was the first one. And here's the second one. And, and <laughs> I don't know, one-eyed cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it starts. One-eyed cat. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. One-eyed cat shows up off on an offshore oil rig after five years of being lost. So <laughs> this cat, try this. <laughs> this cat leaves this family's home, like it's gone. Okay. The family reports it. Apparently, because they tracked this story around, this cat ended up going to a prison kind of near the home, stayed at the prison with like the, the prison guards and was like a, a prison cat for like three or four years. Somehow gets stuck in a, a, a container bin that was like a mile and a half from the prison, 
container then gets shipped out offshore to the oil rig, pops out. The people in the oil rig take care of it for about six months. They life flight it off of the oil rig back to the mainland. And then the family gets called because the chip got scanned and it got returned. So one-eyed oh, Joe, oh, they called him one-eyed Joe, which was <laughs> hilarious. What are, your, what are your thoughts? I, my, my, my moral here is like, you know, sometimes you might lose something, but there's always a chance it comes back around. So uh, that's you, a great way to stuff? look at it, man. My first thought was Cyclops in the flesh, dude. I was like, what the heck is this? Uh, I think that's pretty cool there. At least they found their cat. Uh, but what a crazy story of that cat in this world travels. I mean, that is awesome. But hey, I guess moral of the story there is get your pet chipped. <laughs> I never know when it's going to no, return. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Update those chips whenever, yep. whenever possible. So, yep. uh, those are the only two good news pieces of the week. I thought that would just put a smile on your face. So those are great. Uh, let's dive into Chew on This presented by Grimes. Chew on this. Uh, interesting. I kind of wanted to just point it to you as a small business owner yourself. Uh, this is something that came up a survey. A thousand small business owners were surveyed. 71% believe the new American dream can be achieved through sacrifice, risk taking, and hard work. What are your thoughts? Uh, as a guy that started up his own business, you've seen some trials. You're actually kind of in the. <laughs> starting another small business at the same time. And we have a third that we're kind of putting on the table too with Project Sandlot technically. But as a small business owner, I mean, I'm sure you believe this, right? Otherwise you wouldn't be chasing your dream. But uh, maybe what are some things that you've, some trials you've come across or some things that you're really like, hey, this is why I'm doing this. Mm, yeah, well, the first thing is like your purpose too for what you're doing. And I think everybody has a different purpose, whether they found they, they created the Snuggie because they, it was just more convenient for people to wear, or it was the Starbucks drink that I'm crushing right now, which by the way is, is amazing. I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, or it's just starting your own business and doing something that you love to do. And so for us, I really looked at it when I was working in the Bay Area and had a full-time job. Everything was pretty pretty safe and, and healthy, you know, it was easy. And leaving that was really nerve wracking, but it was how conditioned society is to just stay the nine to five life. And once you leave that, you just feel so much more free. Yes, there's a lot more pressure because you have to bring in the income and you're kind of in charge of all that stuff. But if you have the passion in your heart to go do something, I mean, there's plenty of things you could do to make a little less money and still be happier doing it. So I think that was a big key. And then not being afraid to take risks too. That's the hardest one. I'm not a very big risk taker. I'm pretty safe for most of the time. But the last couple, really the last year or two, has been taking more risks as far as reaching out to programs that maybe we don't believe that we should even be working with. Or maybe it's like um, with the Bison and starting a new team or with Project Sandlot and going, what is this NFT space? We have no idea what it is, but let's go create one. You know, like all these different ideas and, and concepts, they all come with the belief and a vision. And so I think the ones who last in the fight the longest are the ones who have the most success in the long run. And a lot of people give up really early when they're tested. And that's where it's like, hey, what's your will? Like, how much can you test your will to keep pushing forward and, and continue to grow in different ways and evolve as a human being, which then evolves your own business. So I think we've learned a lot since we've opened this thing up three or four years ago. It started with online lessons and then it turned to mental game and going out speaking and, and doing these awesome camps that we're doing. And um, it, it's one thing I've learned though, Ray, is <clears throat> you got to have a team. Like when I was doing this basically alone before you came along, it was nearly impossible to keep everything 
locked in, it still is hard. But before you were here, it was even harder. And then with the bison stuff, it's like if we tried to do it all on our own, which we tried for a couple months, we found that it just ran us into the ground. And once we had a team that we've empowered that can go do things for us and with us and, and in our, our terms and mission and vision that we have for the program, it's been a 10x compound, a really, really cool thing to see happening. So I think empowering your teammates, empowering your, your members or your team, and then growing that, and which is where we're kind of in that phase right now with Major League University and Project Sandlot. How do we grow it? How do we expand our team and, and expand our reach? And I think most people know the vision and the mission um, from the consistency piece that we've talked about a lot. But now it's like, how do we reach more people? How do we grow a team and, and really make this thing worldwide and, and consistent? So um, I think that will, man, and the sacrifice and then the ability to, to never lose belief in yourself when you have those days that you're like, man, what the heck is happening today? That's huge. Yeah, it's interesting you missed, mentioned the the risk taking, taking the risk because that was the one thing that stood out in that the seventy one percent are willing to take the risk, you know, and and a lot of times you'll see people that are more willing to take risks have had harder lives in their backstory, like they've had trials, like, and the only reason they're willing to do that is because sometimes they just go f it, what's going to happen, you know, what's the worst that happen, and and those mm -hmm. people tend to be successful, which is really cool. And well, then you had said the team side. Oh, did you have something? Well, I was just going to say, right, think about for you and I, I mean, you've coached for freaking a million years, like I don't know, eight to 10 years. And then you played obviously college baseball for four or five years. For me, same thing, playing college and, and for a long time, you know, and um, we're used to like this, this 10 to 10 or like you never really shut it off. So for us, it's a little different going into this world, because if, if you're thinking of the average human being who didn't play any sports, I mean, their day consists of go to school, leave school. And then what do you do from 2.30 or 3.30 to 10, 11, 12 a night. Like there's not much for you to do, but for us, it's like, man, we've been so, I don't want to say programmed, but really kind of programmed and conditioned that we work for so long in our craft doing something else with the goal or vision of for you, maybe being division one head coach for me being an MLB athlete or whatever that might look like. You grind and sacrifice so much there. And like you said, going to your point is, we've kind of taken those risks to go do it. I mean, volunteering as a, as a college coach, obviously you're not getting paid millions of dollars and in the minor leagues, you're not getting paid anything either. So we're grinding for something that we believe in. And now it just kind of shifts into something different that we love doing. And so the days that might seem long or might seem like there's a lot of work or we go Monday through Monday sometimes because we have the weekend camps or speaking, um, it's not as tough as it would be if we had, if we weren't ever exposed to this type of lifestyle. So um, I think just going back to that point, man, is we're kind of conditioned to do it and um, taking that risk. It's in the blood, you know, coach yeah. powers, put it in us early. You know? <laughs> yeah. Shout out to him. But uh, ACP, shout I, out. I thought it was cool that you said the team thing and, and the number one goal on the same survey for small business owners is getting employees health and retirement which has nothing to do with their own. And, and uh, we're in the same boat. Like we're starting to work towards that too, but mm -hmm. it's like, they're not even concerned about making themselves more money. They're making, they're trying to make sure that their employees are okay, you know, uh, which is hard to do in a time where, you know, businesses aren't making a ton of money, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or we're coming out of it, which is great. So, um, and another person who really bet on himself, and we'll go back to it here, but Matt Strom, the left-handed pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Shout out to Bobby Dahlbeck, who's with them over there. But uh, he, from North Dakota, uh, West Fargo, I believe is the small town or the town that he's from, uh, went to Neosho Community College or Junior College, was drafted in the 21st round. Like everything was stacked against this guy. And the one thing that stands out to me is how much he was just like, I'm doing it, you know, like he was told by, we'll let him dive into the story. We'll break it yeah. down afterwards. There you go. Matt Strong. Yeah.
All right. Welcome back to another episode of Champion School. Uh, new guest today, Matt Strom, left-handed pitcher for the Red Sox, who just threw last night. So we're in a, a special treat for even having him sit down with us. Um, we'll dive into his story. He's got a lot of information on some card collecting, which I'm really interested in. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too. But, uh, oh, we lost him, did we? Oh, no. He's we're back. Damn. Yeah, that's on me. It's these damn <laughs> AirPods. When I hit it, it like leaves me out. It's all yeah. good. So adapt and just did, uh, and overcome. I did a uh, podcast with O'Grady like a week ago. And same shit happened. I was like, yeah, that's all good. So, well, hey, let's, first, let's dive into your story. How did you get to where you're at today? How are you with the Red Sox right now? Uh, <sighs> tell the people kind of a little backstory on your baseball career. Yeah. So, I mean, my let's go to sophomore year of high school. I got cut from the basketball team and kind of focused, shifted all my focus to baseball. And, uh, I would say as a junior, like I stressed to my parents, I wanted to go as far South as I could to play baseball. I grew up in North Dakota. So I just stressed to them. I wanted to go as far South as I could to get as much playing weather and as good of playing weather as I possibly could get. And then coming out of high school, I had two offers. Uh, one was to an NAIA in Jamestown, North Dakota, which was about an hour and a half west. So that was zero miles south. <laughs> and then I had a junior college offer to Neosho County Community College, which is in Chinook, Kansas, about two hours south of Kansas City. And uh, my dad and I visited the campus and my mom had never seen it. And she helped pack up my car and we drove 12 hours and moved into a dorm room. And uh from there, it was, I mean, Coach Murray will tell you, I was the first player at the time. He's probably been there like 35, 37 years now. So at the time I was there, it was like 25 years. And he'll tell you I was the first player he almost cut. He's never cut anyone in his coaching career. And he literally sat me down and told me that I should think about going home because I'm wasting mine and my parents' time. And so um, I kind of used that as like my motivation of like, screw you I'll prove you wrong and uh I was his first big leaguer out of Neosho County so that's incredible so how tall are you first of all uh I'm like just just at six three yeah so it's just so interesting Austin and I both played at Nevada so like smaller mid-major school but uh to see and I'm from a small town to see you come from North Dakota there nobody's going up to see dudes in North Dakota play like that's just no actually Actually, my uh, so I would have went back to watch my brother play, and I had some scout come up to me, and he's like, "You know, when you were 17 years old, I took my red marker and drew a line right through your name." Wow, <laughs> and incredible. I was like, "Damn!" Like, so, damn. All right, well, hey, I mean, you used it as fuel, and and so what did you do yeah. to go from that meeting with your coach, that that sit down, hey, let's send you home, to, I mean, how how did you turn it all around? Uh. I mean, I've always had a lot of, I guess, how do I put it and better say, I got a lot of F, I guess. Um, And uh, that's, that's just how I pitch. And uh, I've always pitched like that. And I would say when I got to college, I wasn't pitching like that. I was, I was looking around and all these kids from Oklahoma and Kansas and shit are throwing like 90 to 93. And I'm over here, 86, 88. And it was like, I just, I don't know. I just, 
you know, I, I saw, I saw everyone ahead of me and it was like, you know what, I got to run them down. So I never, I never had a weightlifting program in high school. I never, I mean, in North Dakota, I would play catch to warm up so I could go take growls and hit the cage. Like I never played <laughs> yeah. catch to like build my arm or do anything like that. So once I got to college and just focused on pitching, um, I mean, in like, so my freshman year, I went from 83, 86 to my sophomore year, I was hitting 92. So I almost put on 10 miles an hour on my fastball in just one year, but I went from 145 pounds to 180. So like just maturing, I was, I mean, I was a high school senior that was still wondering when my armpit hair was coming in. You know? so <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it was late bloomer for me. Yeah. Did you always have the flow? Uh, no. So I kind of had like shaggy hair in high school and then in college coach had a clean shave in rule. And then when I was drafted by the Royals, they had that as well. My brother has always had long hair and he'd always give me shit to grow it out. And then when I blew my knee out in 2017 and got traded to San Diego, I was kind of like, what a better time to grow out your hair when you're in Southern California. So yeah, yeah. let it, let it, do, let it ride. And now my wife likes it. So I don't think it's going anywhere. Very nice. How long have you guys been married? Uh, we got married in September of 2015. Okay. So, right on. What is that? Six, six years going on seven. And you, you have a kid now as well? Yeah. She's 18 months old. Name's Ren. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. So Nice. Life changing. Life's, life's moving oh. fast. Yep. I bet. Go ahead, bye. Kick yeah, that is you. incredible, man. That is incredible. And uh, the flow looks good, man. So when you're on the mat, I see a picture, man. You got you got the attitude with it. You got that confidence. Um, it's yeah. awesome, right? I love, I love seeing that and the demeanor. You, your story kind of reminds me of, of one of my best friends is Aaron Bummer, and he's had a lot of success. Okay. Like, a reliever and um he was very similar it was like high school wasn't highly recruited um kind of overlooked and then college got on a program started to figure it out and then got in professional baseball and just, just something clicked right something clicked yep. um but i'll take me back through being a 21st round draft pick because he's in the same boat he's one twenty something round and is just yep. like you, you guys are killing it right now walk me through that process obviously it was probably a really like awesome moment for you to be drafted in the first place but um just kind of walk me through that whole process of that draft yeah, I mean, actually, with the Royals, like, I had talked to him quite a bit before the draft, and obviously being there in just south Kansas City playing junior college ball, they saw me quite a bit. And uh, actually, uh, after the 20th round happened and they didn't draft me, I called my scout and was I was upset. I was like, you know what? You guys told me you were going to take me anywhere from the 13th to 17th round. And I was like, 20 has gone on. I was like, I'm just going to go to college. And then, I mean, those round, those later rounds are super quick. They're like a minute. And I would say like yeah. 10, mi 10 minutes later, they draft me. And the next day he's at my house with contract and I signed it. So they called my bluff and <laughs> I ended up signing it. But, sure, buddy. Yeah. But yeah. So they're like, okay, whatever. And uh, yeah, I mean, the whole time, I mean, I went to junior college with the intent of trying to play professional baseball. So as soon as that opportunity was given to me, it was kind of a no-brainer to take it and run with it. Um, I know Darren Erstead at the time, who was yeah. my childhood hero and actually just got uh, hired as the Nebraska head coach where I committed. Um, he was a little upset with my decision, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I saw him five years later in the K and uh, water under the bridge now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it worked out. It worked yeah. out. Actually, I met I met him on Nebraska night in Kansas City. Can't remember if it was the end of 16 or the beginning of 17. 
But Gordon was like, yo, Strom, come with me. We're, I'm going to go say hi to Erstead. And I was like, dude, he don't want to talk to me. Like, the last <laughs> phone call we had, he was telling me I'm making the wrong decision. I was like, he don't want to talk to me. He's like, nah, dude, it's whatever. <laughs> go over there. Gordo introduces me, whatever. And Darren shakes my hand. He's like, yeah, you know, you'd have been here a year earlier if you came to Nebraska. <laughs> Touche. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, um, that, exactly. That is awesome. I love hearing people's stories and how they got there because um, there really is a lot of struggle in the journey, and, and there's a lot of different ups and downs, and that's something that we love talking about with what we do. Uh, but one of the other things that I was uh, just really curious on is kind of that demeanor on the mound and, and that confidence. So you, you've multiple times right, you cut from your basketball team, um, weren't yeah. highly recruited out of high school. Obviously, you had multiple people tell you the, that you're making the wrong decisions, right, and trying to yep, exactly and for right or for wrong. But how important right. is it as an athlete and just a human being in general to never lose that belief in yourself that if you have that strong belief and you know that you can get there, that you can do anything in the world? Like, how important is that as an athlete? Yeah, I think especially as a pitcher, I think the the word conviction is something mm. I stress a lot to guys. It's like I so I personally don't like shaking the catcher. I have full confidence in all four of my pitches. And I tell every catcher that catches me, you sit back there and pretend you're playing the show. I'm going to execute it. Like, that's just my my belief in my pitches. And I mean, there are times where like I throw a pitch and it's like, okay, I'm going to bust them in here now. And then the catcher calls a slider away and it's like, they'll all shake to that. But that's because I've already, before consulting with the catcher, I've already put conviction in a fastball in. So it's like, if, as soon as he puts down slider away, am I fully convicted in that? If I was towing the rubber, telling myself I wanted to throw a fastball in. So I think, I think just the conviction, like if you go out there with 95 and are just trying to throw a strike, you are going to get padded around the field. But if you go out there with 93 and there's a lot of FU behind it, you're going to, you're going to get good results. And I firmly believe in just the, the conviction behind all your pitches is what you need. I mean, there's been times where I've done, like, I would want a fastball in, and the catcher throws a slider, and I'm like, yeah, my slider's nasty. Okay, sure. Yeah. And whack, three-run yeah. homer. It's like, damn it, should have been a fastball yeah. in. Like, yeah. the, convi the, the 100% conviction was the fastball in, and there was only 92% conviction with the slider away. So I just – conviction is a big thing to me. And when in doubt, go with whatever you compete at 100% with. Like that's just kind of been my philosophy and working. So do a pretty good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the FU mentality because I, Hey, my stuff's better than yeah. you. And yeah. even if I have, if I have 85 or 95 or 105, if I believe that my 85 is better than your 105, I'm going to bust it past you either way. Right. So yep. it's like that fiction that you talk about. So important. Um, yeah. Through, like, cause you guys play a ton of games, obviously 162 games. You've mm -hmm. been in the playoffs multiple times. There's a lot of uh, ups and downs to a season, spring training. People don't realize how long baseball seasons really are when you're from the outside world yep. looking in. Um, oh, yeah. Family, right? You're traveling on the road, you're in hotels all over the world um, and going to different places. How important is it? And or really, how do you stay mentally prepared to come in and stay consistent? Yeah. I mean, I would say, like, my wife plays a big part in that. Like, when I, I try, I try very hard that when I take a shower at the field, my day's over. Like, oh, mm -hmm. there's like last night. I mean, I sat there and stared at my locker for five minutes because I was just pissed at a result. And, and it wasn't even the, the runs get, I was more pissed at the slider that I left middle that went for a base hit. It was like, I just sat there for five minutes and 
I don't want to ever bring it home with me. I really want to – I really try to separate it because, like you said, it is a long season. I mean, like today I'll be at the – I mean, our bus leaves the hotel at 1, and I'm at that field until 11 o'clock. So 10-hour days kind of kind of get long over the course of 162 games. And just uh, really having the focus of once I shower at the field to leave baseball at the field, that kind of helps me a lot. Like it's mm. just kind of washing everything off. And when I go home, I mean, now I got a daughter that has a big smile and open arms every time I come through the door, no matter if I give up five runs or punch out the side. So that makes it makes it a lot easier too. That's all. I love the perspective too, man. Like just making it bigger than the game. Yeah. Like that's incredible. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, no doubt. And like and like going back to twenty first rounder, like I'm playing with house money. Every everything yeah. from here is I mean, I got my cake and now the icing's just getting added on. So it's like yeah. I'm just playing with house money. Zero That's, pressure at that point, you know, like mm-hmm. you can just go out and enjoy it. And like he said, perspective when you get to come home and see your family, like, yeah, I mean, co- co- competing is like, I mean, that's, that's my drug is competing. And I mean, I ended up in the hospital when I was 10 years old with a dislocated elbow from musical chairs with my parents. So <laughs> co- competition is, is literally everything I've always known. And it's just something that drives me. So, I mean, it doesn't matter if I got an 11 run lead or a 11 run deficit when I tow the rubber. And I mean, I, I don't think this is selfish, but at the end of the day, it's my numbers on there. And it's like, I'm going to compete with you. Yeah. Yeah. Take us through. So you were injured. You had a, a knee deal, right? And I, I don't know if you've had it once or twice. Is it? Uh, so I've had three surgeries. I've had the same surgery twice. I've had the same surgery twice, one on each knee. And then I've had a cleanup on the other one. Jeez. Yeah. So what, it, so obviously there's a little hesitation as you're coming back, you're trying to rebuild that knee and, and get yourself fully in shape and ready to go again. What is that like for a guy? I mean, you had to have a rehab start and, and, and stuff like that. So what's that like going through that process to get back to where you're at right now? Yeah. I mean, uh, the whole rehab process, I would say that's definitely the hardest part of my career so far because there is no competition in rehab. And it's the mental grind to get back to the competition of doing the same thing over and over and over again for weeks on end to get back to zero, essentially, just get back to your baseline. And, uh, you know, I just, I mean, again, I'm big perspective guy. So it's like, you know, I'm in the big league. And, you know, if I just do my work, I should get back to where I belong. And, uh, you know, I think just, I mean, now feeling I feel healthy finally for the first time in like two years. So makes makes baseball a lot more fun than getting out of bed and wondering if I'm going to be able to walk down the stairs to the bullpen. (laughs) (laughs) Just makes it a lot more enjoyable going to the field every day. Yeah. How old are you? Uh, Just turned 30 this last November. Nice. Yeah, I'm 30 as well. I got 31 coming up in May. I'm I'm not looking forward yeah. to it. <laughs> but, just the uh, number. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. One more question. I'll kick it to Bye, but your your card collecting, and this is something I, I yeah. watched a couple of episodes of your show, uh, the Card Life, yeah. a TV show on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Take us into what got you into card collecting. Is this is it your way? We talk about filling up your cup in other areas of life. Is this yeah. your way to fill that cup elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, so as a kid, I mean, I kind of did every like what every typical kid did, like I would get the tops team set or like the the full sets with every player in the set. And then I'd 
sit there and organize them by team or whatever, take out all the Minnesota twins. I was a twins fan growing up. And then I would take all the other cards and see if any of my buddies would trade me their twins cards and whatever else. And, uh, you know, I probably did that all the way until I was like 12 or 13. And then I think we all kind of got into the Pokemon stage there around like <laughs> yeah. 11, 12. And uh, I'd say once I got into high school, I kind of got away from it. And then when I was in pro ball, I really didn't want to be that guy collecting his teammates. And uh, I regret that tremendously. Uh, I should have been doing that. But uh, then in 2018, after the 2018 season, my brother was living with me. He got drafted by the Giants and then moved out to Arizona with my wife and I, and he was working out out there. And my brother is an entrepreneur. He'll, I mean, he's about everything and whatever. And he's just sitting here ripping these cards, flipping cards. And one day I stopped at Target on my way home and picked up a couple boxes and I opened them. And from that day, I've been opening cards, I would say at least <laughs> bi-weekly, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it just makes me feel like a kid again. It's fun. Um, I know a lot of the guys in those card boxes, so it makes it even more fun. Uh, but, like, collecting to me is I'm – not, I'm not into it for the money or, like, the – I wouldn't even say the collectible side of it. I'm just in it for more so, like, stories. Like, I have cards of teammates. I have, I have a unique collection it's not complete yet and you still need some cards to finish it but i have a, a baseball card of everyone who's taken me deep in the big leagues um so cool. you know it's like it's like cards to me tell stories and that's that's kind of what i'm doing with it i consider myself a pack rat like i enjoy opening the boxes and whatever i get i get i'm not one to like oh i need to buy the bobby witt red auto and go <laughs> spend seventy thousand dollars on like i'm not that's not me I'd be divorced in a heartbeat. I, <laughs> no, I wouldn't have that either. Yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd be done. That's awesome. So. Um, it, it's cool to hear like the stories behind the cards. Right, my brother's a huge car collector too. He's flipping yep. them. He's buying. I mean, anything you yep. think of, he's getting a Ricky Williams helmet yep. signed on on, on eBay. Exactly. McGregor glove, and he's getting the baseball yep. cards. I'm like, dude, he's he just invested in it, but it kind of no speaks doubt. to his soul. Um, you mentioned something awesome in there too kind of with the the storytelling of some of those cards who is maybe one of those one of your like favorite and i just have to be favorite but most unique teammates you've ever played with since you've been in the big leagues and it can go back to college too but i'm thinking big league style like somebody who just sticks out to you like man this, this dude just did things differently maybe it was unique in a funny way or just like insane preparation style. yeah uh, i mean insane like routine and like a ro I don't want to say a robot because he's an awesome human being but like just every day was going to be like you knew at two o'clock he's coming through those doors with two shaker bottles ready to fill <laughs> one up with his pre-workout one with his greens was Alex Gordon I've never watched a guy go about his business and stay so consistent we'll go back to a, earlier when we were talking how hard it is to mm. for 162 games this dude woke up and did it every day for 14 years and never, never missed a beat. And even his last year in Kansas city, I was asking some of the guys, I was like, yo, is Gordon loosening up a little bit? Like he knows it's his last year. And like, they're like, nah, he's still doing it. He's loosening up a little bit. They said on like the, on the airplanes, the roads and, or the road trips and stuff. But he's like, they're like, no, nope, dude's still a machine doing his thing. And like, I've never seen him like jog after a ball, even in BP. Like that dude is, in his position and making every break on every ball 
for an entire round of BP until he goes and hits. And then he's, he's done. Like, I've never seen it. And he, he, I, he sticks out the most as like the most routine, most disciplined teammate I've ever had. Like, no doubt. That's all. I mean, a testament to his career too, right? Like how, how oh, yeah. successful he was and consistent yeah. with his career, you know, going through. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, that is so awesome to hear. I love hearing stories of that too. And just what it takes, man. Cause people don't see this on the outside, yeah. man. Like no. we've both been in it. You've been in it for a long time. It's like when you're in the trenches, you're just kind of go, go, go. And, and things are coming all over. It's almost like you shun out the rest of the world sometimes mm -hmm. and just kind of focus on your deal. And uh, you, you learn a lot about people and you learn a lot about life, which I think is the best part about sports, yeah. man. Um, no last... doubt. And I think like the, from my perspective, it's just seeing how individualized the sport is. Like mm -hmm. there, there's not a right way to do it. Everyone does it differently. And I mean, I tried to talk pitching with you Darvish and <laughs> I asked him about his curveball. And all of a sudden he started talking about his second knuckle knuckle in his middle finger. He feels the pressure when his scap goes over his rib. And I just sat there and I was like, dude, <laughs> nope. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to walk away from this before it messes me up because I've never once thought about my rib throwing a baseball. So I'm not like, not even going to comprehend this right now, but to each their own. Yeah. Unreal everyone's got their way man that is the the yeah. coolest part about baseball and, and really how unique of a sport it is man like he's thinking of his knuckle and rib combo which i've never heard of and then you're just like dude yeah. i'm gonna freaking blow it by you each and every time and, and other dudes yeah. are different. but um that's yeah. the uniqueness of the sport that's what we love um my last question before we kick back to ray we'll get into the game get you on your way yeah. is there's a lot of uh Parents that watch our podcast, a lot of coaches who are pouring into youth athletes, high school and college ranks. Um, what is maybe some of your best advice or something that you wish you would have known or something you took from your childhood into college and into the professional ranks that you would give back to the kids out there that are looking for just that little nugget right from somebody who's been doing it for a while? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is kids need to stop being fixated on D1. Like you need to you need to go you need to go play where you're going to play. Junior college, especially up north uh, where I'm from, like, it gets a bad rep. Like, oh, mm. junior, I'm too smart for junior college. I'm so, I did not go to junior college for class. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, went, I drove 12 hours away from home to play baseball and to pursue an opportunity. And I think that's, that's one thing I wish, especially up north, parents would get off of, of like, the stigmatism of junior college baseball. I think mm. the most important thing you can do is go to a school where you're going to play. I mean, even if it is Division Two or NAIA, whatever it is, I mean, you got my best friend, Tim Hill, is was a 25-year-old drafted out of an NAIA in Oklahoma, and he's now a four-year big leaguer. Like, it, you have to play. You can't, you can't go to Arkansas, sit on the bench until you're a junior, and then expect to get a professional opportunity. Like, it's just it's – not, it's, not it's not the way this game is. And, I mean, the more you play it, the better you're going to get at it. It's that simple. Love that. That's awesome. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah, nobody cares how you get there when you're there. Like, <laughs> no, you're there. No. So I'm with that. Exactly. We're gonna dive into the game. Uh, we we adapted it a little bit for a card right. version of it here. So okay. uh, it's called on it or off it. I'm gonna go through a list of ten things. You're just gonna tell me on it. You're about it. Off it. Not really about it. And All a right. quick reason as to why. So okay. Run through them quick. But uh, number one, we'll start out with poker. I'm off it personally because I don't like gambling. I work yeah. too hard for my money, and then it kills me when I watch it just disappear, just burn up <laughs> right in front of you. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, number two, Pokemon, you mentioned earlier. I mean, I'm on it, especially from an investment side because Charizard's not going to go tear an ACL and not be able to play anymore. Like, I mean, it's just, just the way it is. That's right. Uh, how about Go Fish? Go Fish. I would say I'm on it. I mean, simple simple card game. I got a daughter, so I'm sure I'll be okay. playing here soon. I was yeah. going to say it's coming up soon. Yeah, she yeah. can start talking. Good? Yeah. Uh, Uno. Uno, definitely on it. My wife and I, uh, we play that actually quite a bit in the off season. We have like a, we have a notebook that sits on our end table in our house that has like a score. There's a bunch of pages with scores on it, and I make her sign every scorecard that I win, and nice. I make her sign it as the loser. Nice. So yeah, Very good. definitely That's on good. that one. Uh, how about War? It's kind of an old one. War. Yeah, that's kind of deep. <laughs> I mean... We'll start bringing it back here in a second. Yeah, I would say, like, I'm off war, but it depends on what kind of war you want to talk about. We joke in the clubhouse, we go to war every night. So, I mean, I'm down, I'm down for war on a baseball field. I'm not down for war on innocent people, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, Blackjack, you said no on the money, though, right? You're not a big gambler? Yeah, definitely definitely off on that. Like, not, not a gambler. Definitely not. How about Magic the Gathering? That was kind of around your time. Yeah, uh, I, I would say I'm off it, but I have nothing against it just because I never got into it. Um, I never, never really got into those cards. Um, but yeah, I would say off it just because I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, Solitaire, you ever play that? Yeah, uh, I'm on it. It's a good time killer. Um, I'd rather do like a Sudoku or something, but yeah. it's a good time killer. Uh, cards Against Humanity, play that with the, the boys. Yeah, but I'd say off it. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it. I've played it a couple times. Kind of like apples to apples, right? Like, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, pick which card's cooler. Uh, <laughs> not, 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 my, not my cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, last one, uh, kind of cards, NFTs. Have you gotten into the NFT scene? So, I have... I think I have a couple, but they've kind of been given to me. So, yeah. um, I'm, I would say I'm off NFTs, especially the sports cards NFTs. Yeah, I still can't wrap my head around why someone wants a did like digital art. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know. The Mona Lisa is probably pretty cool, but a picture of the Mona Lisa isn't <laughs> cool at all. Yeah, it's just my 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 opinion on those, but I mean, I think NFTs being developed as like memberships and everything, like I could see them going somewhere with that, but like as digital artwork, I don't get it. Yeah, no, it's a it's weird because you I I think part of it too is bringing baseball cards back into the mainstream. Honestly, as the collection yeah. of real cards is getting put on mm-hmm. blast a little bit by the NFT side, which I think is pretty cool. Honestly, yeah, no doubt. That's all we got, man. Sorry, sorry, not a bunch no. of great ones for you there. <laughs> no, 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 that was good. That was good. That was good. Matt, we, Go we appreciate you good. taking the time, man, and, and best of luck the rest of this season doing your thing, man. It was a pleasure spending time with you. You're awesome, and um, we're sending you good vibes the rest of the way, man, and, and hopefully getting in there in the playoffs and winning a, a World Series this year, man. So keep it That'd up, man. Good. Tell us, uh, tell Will our buddy uh, Bobby what's up, too, as yeah, well. Tell him, hey, give us up to Dahlbeck, of course. Do. <laughs> Will do, guys. You guys All have right. a good one. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Matt. Awesome. Have a great day, man. Yeah. See you. Later, Matt. You as well. See you. All right, we're back. Uh, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're in the middle of season. Matt had come off of, he pitched the night before. 
Uh, we actually bumped our, our interview back like 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Cause he, he, he texts out, reached it out the night before and was like, Hey man, I just got done. I'm not getting to bed till, you know, whenever we're trying to get, you know, reset. So thank you for joining us, taking the time out of your day. I know how crazy busy that is, but, uh, bye. What'd you think about the interview with Matt? I think the, the betting on yourself piece and, and not having any offers. I have, I have a thing. I think we both do the thing for the small town kids and communities, just not as much resources or uh, opportunity to be seen as much as if you're in the big cities. And uh, for him being in a small town in North Dakota, like just not being able to get that much exposure, not having as much talent as maybe he has today, you know, and having the arm that he has today and being a 21st round draft pick, he had every right to not believe in himself, but he said, screw that. I don't care the number. I don't care the draft rank. I don't care what school I go to. I know that I can pitch at that level. And he says something like the FU mentality, as far as like, when I'm on the mound, like there's nobody better than me. And I, I'm a firm believer that no matter what your stuff might be. And we talked about on the podcast, like if, if I don't have the best stuff, but I believe I have the best stuff, your stuff is better than somebody who has the best stuff who doesn't believe that they have the best stuff. So just believing in your own craft and your own skill set, I think that was so key to what he does, man, and how, why he's had so much success in the big leagues. I mean, I was looking at his stats and my like, dude's a dynamic, nasty left-handed reliever who's had a lot of success with some really good stuff, but uh, he believes in his, his craft and he believes in what he can do and his work ethic shows. So he's an awesome dude. Yeah, I think he's at like seven and two thirds, seven punches, like around a walk and a hit, or one one of each per <laughs> inning or half each per inning, something like that. I don't know. The guy's on fire. Not a guy I want to face uh, if I'm hitting at all, but uh, awesome dude. And, and like you said, he was, I think, told by his college coach that he was potentially the first guy to ever he he was ever going to cut. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like this is a big leaguer, dude. This guy is legit, and it's it's. It goes back to the story. There's a lot of kids, and we tell the elephant story a lot, that are told they're not going to make it. Like, you're not good enough. How are you going to respond? You know, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks. It's it's what you believe and how far you're willing to push that. And Matt's a dude that pushed it all the way to the big leagues. So uh, we're going to be following him. And, and, again, we can't thank him enough for joining us. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you guys ever have any issues, ever need anything, or ever want to set up, whether it's a camp, speaking event, uh, even just having us come in and talk to a team, like we're available for all of that. Uh, you can check us out on the website. There's links on the website where you can directly reach out to us uh, and set things like that up if you're not sure what the leadership and you know character building stuff is that we do. It's all laid out on the website, majorleagueuniversity.com projectsandlot.com if you're trying to help out on the uh, charitable giving back side where we're, we're working with a lot of kids and we've seen a lot of smiling faces so far this summer. So it's going to do it for me, Ray McIntyre, Austin Ballard, BZB. See you guys later.